I'm back from Morrison, Illinois. I got my highlights sent to WQAD. Mitch, you've been around scouring the internet for scores, for stats. You were watching games last night and today. I was mm-hmm. out on the sidelines. So uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the instant reacts for round one, the first round of the IHSA playoffs. Overall, Mitch, what are your thoughts? How are we doing here? Let me let me do this. I'm going to turn the tables, Greg, because I want to ask you. Okay. Because I'm jealous. Um, not because you went to Morrison, but because you were on the field on a sunny day in late October watching high school football in Illinois. So I'm going to ask you how your day was back in the playoff fold this year. Oh, I did. It felt great. So the the what's become the annual tradition so i'm going out friday nights usually on my own because i'm you know leaving work and then getting to wqad and then going out to a game but on the on the saturdays in the playoff come playoff time i'm usually leaving from my house so i'm taking my my oldest son with me so that's been the last three years i think he's gone with me so he did again today and uh it was picture perfect as i sent out the tweet in uh in morrison sun was out beautiful i mean if you're gonna be picky it's a little cold but i mean it's october so what do you expect it's late october what do you expect Mm -hmm. but man it was it was beautiful and mitch you texted me early on like what's the crowd like what's it like there and i've been to a lot of games at morrison and that place is usually bringing a good crowd there's usually a good fan contingent from both teams, depending on who they're playing. Usually it's a good yeah. crowd there either way. And today, even my son, who's never been there, pointed out, Dad, that's a big, that's a big set of bleachers, and it's packed. There's nowhere else to sit in there. And he's right. That the whole, if anyone, most people who are familiar with Morrison, that whole bleachers section was filled. And then you start looking down the sidelines that go from end zone to end zone. And it was at least two or three people deep, almost the whole stretch of the field. So Mitch, you've been to a lot of games at Morrison. You've been, you've seen a lot there. That's a good, that's a packed crowd at Morrison. Yeah, I've been a part of of one or two games that are, that are like that. So that was, that was expected um, to get that rivalry game with Fulton in a playoff setting. So yeah, we expected a big crowd there. And yeah, I think it was a little warmer than maybe we thought it would be, but that sun shining on that field. Looks yep. great. Um, great job by everyone uh, at Morrison. But, you know, um, the the area itself lucked out with weather it looked like. We had a couple teams that played tonight that it was overcast, a couple games that were rainy. But, you know, um, that's that's what you expect in the first round of playoffs. So, you know, this was this is a great couple days as we get round one here under wraps. Um, got a lot of teams moving on. Uh, we, we, we do bid farewell to a couple teams that we really enjoyed covering this year, had tough, tough round one matchups. Um, and we get a lot of rematches in the second round. So yeah, everything, not, not too much. I don't think that we didn't expect, um, at least not with our area team. Some other things that happened in the state that we'll talk about that surprised us some, some cool upsets and, and whatnot. So, um, but you know, for the most part, it's been a great two days. Love that we're back in playoff mode and getting ready here to talk to you about it and and move forward. 
Yeah, I was going to say, for the most part, the results we saw were kind of what we expected. There was one game in particular in particular that stands out that I think was maybe a little surprising. But yeah, certainly a couple games here that, you know, we we you know, we say farewell, like you said, to some teams that that we really enjoyed this year. We'll start on Friday and then move our way into Saturday. So, Mitch, you had your eyes on a lot of games on Friday night. We'll start with uh, what you have listed here in the notes. Forreston in class 1A gets the 20 to 7 win over Ottawa Marquette. I will say that, you know, for we've talked about Forreston this year and not really being able to pull away from teams, not really being able to dominate teams. I wondered if this was a game where they they might do that. And again, it was it was close. They they win 20 to 7. I think it was a comfortable win, but they were up 13-7 at half. They get a touchdown right at the beginning of the second half. And that was it. That was the end of the scoring. 27 final. So they get the win. They 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 move along. But again, not a not a big score that stands out to us necessarily. Yeah, this is a this is a well a well-fought, hard-hitting football game between two really good programs. And, you know, what you had just mentioned is kind of what we said about Forreston all year, right? That they don't have that. They don't have those results this year that they might have had in the past where they pull away from games. But at the end of the day, their identity is still the same. They control the clock. They run the ball really well. And their defense plays hard. So, and that's exactly what happened in this one. Um, They won the turnover battle four to nothing. It's something that, that Coach Janicki kind of joked about a little bit that they they had three fumble recoveries, but he didn't. He says we didn't even cause them; they were giveaways. And this is the quote that he gave. <laughs> That's to interesting. Colbert. Yeah, yeah. A quote that he gave in an interview to Andy Colbert from Shaw Local after the game. But you know, all all the guys that we we mentioned for this force and attack: Mulder, Nelson, Sanders. They they combined for 316 rushing yards. So. You know, when you, when you do that, you're going to limit your opposition's ability to have the ball to sustain drives. And again, with that defense, whether they force turnovers or not, they get the ball back. So, yeah, a hard-fought win for Forreston here. Tough loss for Ottawa Marquette, but uh, Forreston's the one who moves on here. Yeah, let's jump a little ahead. We'll talk a little bit about Forreston's next opponent, Lena Winslow. So, Lena Winslow gets the win today, 50 50- to 13 against Rockford Lutheran. So Rockford Lutheran returns the opening kickoff. And I was on the sidelines with Kyle Kentmeyer from NUICfootball.com. And Kyle looked at me and said, Hey, Rockford Lutheran is up. <laughs> well, I don't know, six, nothing, seven, nothing. Yeah. And I kind of, I said, Oh, wow. And he goes, it won't last. And he, I, you know, I, I said, that will be the only time they score. And I was almost, almost, almost right. right. Almost right. So they returned the kickoff, but from there, it was all Lena Winslow. Gage Dunker at 190 yards, five touchdowns. He sits now one touchdown away from the all-time NUIC rushing touchdown record of 67. So an impressive career for Gage Dunker, and he's, you know, on the doorstep of a little bit more history there. So quickly, you know, we'll talk about this now, Forreston, Lena Winslow rematch. I think, you know, immediately when I look at it, you know, you talk about they just played in week nine and Lena Winslow won 36 to eight. If there's any, 
If there's a way that Forreston's going to win this game, I think based on what we've seen this year, it's got to be one of those grounded out, ugly type, you know, I say ugly type of games, but what I mean is I think like they got to control the clock and they got to just really do a masterful job of keeping the ball in their hands, getting a few turnovers and, and right. That's got to be what it, what it takes, right? You, you tell me. The problem with that is, is that's exactly what Lena Winslow is going to do. I know that's and true. They, and they do it better, right? Like, well, I'm but, not, it's, not sh- it's not a shot at Forston, but Lena just, that is Lena's MO and they're just better at it. That's the but thing. Forreston, so, Forreston has done that before against Lena to get wins. Different, different teams. Sure. Well, sure. Um, it, 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 it certainly can happen. Not saying that it can't. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it it would take a heck of an effort to beat them at their own game, is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's true. All right, well, we'll talk more about that Forrest and Lena Winslow matchup in our regular episode coming out Tuesday morning. But let's jump. Yeah, we gotta, we, we'll have to go with Kyle to get all the – he'll have all the historical figures because this is not the first time. <laughs> it's not the second time. It's not the <laughs> third time they've ever, they've ever you know, met, uh, met each other in the playoffs. So, yeah, we'll get the full uh, history here and – cumulative wins and losses because there's a lot of history between those two teams in the playoffs he's got it at the ready he's already he's listening to this right now and he's already got it ready to send so yep all right well a couple other games from friday night we'll go to the llc the small school division had a rematch between stark county and princeville stark county the number two seed gets the win 34 to 20 over princeville but Mitch, this, you know, you read that score and it wasn't so easy for the Rebels here. Prince's led 12-0 early, but Stark County scored 22 in the final 13 minutes to pull away. They really did a great job at the end of this game to come up with some clutch plays on defense and that leading to clutch plays on offense. So they come away with the win here. And, you know, sometimes... It's not a big win, but a clutch, you know, a game where you have to kind of deliver in, you know, in those tight spots can be very important moving down the way. So they move into the second round here. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of pressure too, right? An undefeated team here um, going up against the stingy Princeville team, which we know that they are always a team that's going to hang around. Um, they, they did it all year. They get into the playoffs that way. So, yeah, early on <laughs> – I, I think I did the googly eyes tweet when they went up 12 nothing and it was just like okay what can what can the rebels do here and, and sure enough shortly after that I think they went up 14 to 12 and um, uh, again pulled away in the, the last quarter and a half or so so yeah a good win at home for Star County they move on and they will face a, a very familiar opponent uh, in, in Robert Williams field in round two. Well, again, we'll, you know, we said we're going to talk in order of Friday to Saturday, but let's, let's jump ahead and talk about Rova Williams field here. They get the, they're the 10 seed. They get the win 28, 14 over the seven seed Sterling Newman. Great win for Rova Williams field. Great win for Grant Goldstrand in that program. Spencer Brown, four touchdown pass or four touchdowns in this game. Now, Mitch, we joked a few weeks ago that we started the podcast one night and went through the list of names that scored for Rova Williams field. 
and did not have Spencer Brown's first name. Well, we certainly know it now. We've learned it now, and we certainly have it, you know, in our notes this week. Four touchdowns, great effort by him, great effort from this Cougar team all the way around to defeat a good Newman program. My Cougars, Greg, you know it. My Cougars here. That's right. Um, This is a great win, a great win for for the Cougars. Um, You know, this was a game that we both agreed that was one matchup that we were most excited for. And I don't, I don't know that it went uh, not, not in terms of who won and who lost just the way that the game went. I don't think it went the way we thought it might've. Um, it started out pretty crazy. It, it, it bad kind of bad memories for Newman because it's the exact same way the Kiwani game started. The very first play of the game is a high snap uh, out of shotgun. It's a high snap. And, and Robert Williams will recovered on the 27 and, and scored just a couple of plays later. And just, just like that, they're, they're leading the game and Newman has to play from behind. And so um, just back and forth between these two teams early on, but that, that really good Cougar defense, they shut out Newman in the second half. Um, I think they held Newman to net 20 yards. So, I mean, how wow. often do you, yeah. do you see that against a Newman team? And a, a Newman team, that, which, again, we've always kind of talked about their offense, but they've shown really good signs, and their their rushing attack has always been fine. So, you know, great, great win here for Robert Williamsfield. They looked great doing it all white on the road, Greg. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff there. In uh, texting back and forth with head coach Grant Goldstrand, he really, you know, he called out that this was their best team game in all three phases. So, I think that's a huge sign. You know, if you get to the postseason, if you're playing in week 10 and you can say, this is the best we've played all year, that's a great sign for any program. So mm-hmm. for Rovo, Rovo Williamsfield, that, that's great for them. You know, he mentioned defensively, they tackled well and defensive line was a force tonight or this afternoon. So, you know, when you start talking about, you know, that defensive effort, and really being able to slow down this Newman team who, you know, they're defensively really good, but I guess, you know, being able to get the, the job done overall, great effort by Rova Williamsfield. Now, Mitch, what, you know, what drives me nuts about this one through 16, this, you know, you know, North and South bracket is that here we go again, Rova Williamsfield and now Stark County have to meet up as conference rivals in the second round. Right. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get a lot of that, right? We just talked about Lean and Forreston. Yep, that, exactly. You know, maybe not this year, but in, in years past, that could have very well been a state championship game. It could have very well been a semifinal game, but we're getting these matchups early on. And uh, again, you just, you hate to see it, but to, you know, um, Jim Taylor's point, we wouldn't get these matchups all the time either if there was a one through 32. So I understand that aspect of it. It's, it's going to be fun, right? This is going to be a great rematch. This was only, I think it was a 24 to 14 start County win Yep. in week six. This will be a really fun game. And so that, that's the two sides of the coin. Do you want to see it or do you potentially not want to see it? Um, so we get to see it, but yeah, like you said, would love to see this in, in the third round, the quarterfinals or in the semifinals, something like, you know, down the road rather than the second, second round. But 
either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. Two really good teams that got really good wins this week. Yep. All right. We're going to bounce back into Friday night. Let's talk about um, a couple games in, well, let's see. Well, I guess one game in class 3A, then we'll get into class 4A briefly here. Monmouth Roseville gets the win 35 to 14 over North Boone. So Tyler Finnicum, three touchdowns. Finnicum, Myers, and Thompson combine combined for nearly 300 yards on the ground. So great job by this Monmouth Roseville Titans team. Mitch, we talked a lot about in the last podcast that, you know, North Boone coming out of the Big Northern, that's a battle-tested conference. There's a lot of good teams in that in that conference. And Monmouth Roseville kind of, you know, led led the entire time, controlled this game, and gets the win. Yeah, uh, you talk about battle-tested, and we talked about it on the preview that Monmouth Roseville has four losses, and they're all to eight and one teams. So uh, they certainly know a thing or two about being battle-tested, too. And I think it showed here going on the road, going to North Boone. I listened to this game, so great job by the WMOI broadcast team. Uh, they were fun to listen to. It, it, from <laughs> from what they were saying, they were at a pretty terrible vantage point i think they were in the end zone <laughs> so they, i saw uh, i saw had... a picture i i believe uh sean temple who i follow um i've gotten to know over the years i believe he sent out the tweet yeah they were like deep in the, like in the corner of the end zone which yeah man so they, come on get get them a spot in the press box already right so yeah they they were having some trouble knowing you know if, if a play went for three yards or went for nine yards, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't have a great, they loved it when the action was coming their way, but it was when it was going the opposite way. Uh, it got a little tough, but yeah, that, that broadcast was great. A lot of fun. Yeah. Andy Myers, the quarterback, really, really nice game. He, I think he had 122 yards on his, on his own. And yeah, like, like you mentioned this, this tight team controlled this game the entire way. Never, never were threatened by North Boone. Um, and, and like we mentioned that they, their losses were all to really good teams. This is a really, really good Monmouth Roseville team. And now we get uh, what, again, what we just mentioned, another rematch here in round two. Yeah. So they will now go, no, they'll be on the, they'll be hosting Princeton Saturday at 5. PM. We already know the time on that one. And I believe was that, that was a week one matchup, correct? That was a week one game that Princeton won 40 to nothing. Um, and they talked about this on the broadcast too, that this is, this is a different mom with Roseville team. This is not going to be the team that showed up in week one. I, I expect them to play much better. Now Princeton's really good. I think Princeton's a much better team even than they were in week one. Um, but nonetheless, the exciting matchup between two really good three, eight programs. Yeah, we'll get to that Princeton result. They moved on. They're they're in that game, obviously. We just talked about it. But uh, they got the win. We'll talk about that in a minute. But another game from Friday night, Peoria-Notre Dame, the 14 seed, gets the upset win 28-13 to over the Kiwani Boilermakers. You know, the Irish controlled most of this game using a balanced rushing attack. Mitch, I'll let you kind of take over here. You saw a lot of this one for a great effort this year from the Kiwani Boilermakers this was a you know disappointing way to have the season come to an end yeah I did watch this one on Friday so like you said the the Irish just kind of have an old school offense I don't I don't know if it's wing T it looked like it from some of their formations but 
a lot of traps, a lot of draws, counters, some misdirection, nothing fancy. Um, they, they tried a couple passes. I, unless I'm forgetting something, I don't remember many big plays that came from the passing game, but um, just a really solid balanced rushing attack. And their defense really, really kept Kiwani in check. Never let Brady Clark get into a rhythm. Uh, he, he went down in the first quarter, I think on the first drive, and he popped back up, but, I, you know, he looked like he was toughening it out the rest of the way. But regardless, it was a really, really good effort from the Irish defense. Um, in, in the end, they, they get the win. Kiwani scored late, so no quit in the Boilermakers, as, as we would expect them uh, to not do. So great season for them. They finish at, what, um, eight and two? Eight and two, yeah. So a, a disappointing, no question, a disappointing way to go out. Um, but, you know, this was a great year for them. And uh, that's, you know, that, that's the unfortunate part of the playoffs. You're going to be matched up against other really good teams. And this was one of them in pure Notre Dame. I think when you look around, just to kind of wrap up the Kiwani, you know, talk, I think when you look around our area and players we've talked about, when you talk about truly like most valuable players to their team, Brady Clark is the top of that conversation because just what he did on offense, on defense, on special teams. I mean, we obviously talked about him being the all-time leading scorer in Kiwani football history going back 100-plus years. You know, I just think that the impact he had on that team and just kind of the way he carried himself as a leader. You know, he it seemed like when you were watching a game, he was grinding it out. He was doing everything he could on every play to help that team. I think he's one of those players, like I said, that would be in the conversation for us for most valuable, you know? Oh yeah. He'll be what, there. No what, what Kiwani got done this year was in large part to his efforts. So I think great year for him. Great year for Kiwani. A disappointing way to close it out, but either way, you know, be proud, be proud of your efforts of this year for the Boilermakers. It was, it was a great season. So, all right, yep. let's get into Saturday's action. How about Anawan Weathersfield, Mitch? They continue. We're not, we're not talking about them enough, Greg. <laughs> they continue to roll along, putting up huge point numbers, huge point differentials here. They get the win 41-6 to over Deer Creek Mackinac. Zeb Rashid, stop me if you've heard this before, Mitch. Another huge game, 245 yards, five touchdowns. Mm. So I was texting with Dan Pearson this morning from FCA. That's the game he was going to, going to contribute his highlights to WQAD. And he was excited to get out there. And he said he was hoping to get, you know, some touchdowns from Zeb Rashid. And boy, oh, did he God. ever. <laughs> boy, he sure did. He got highlights from Zeb Rashid. So did you have eyes on this one for a while, Mitch? Tell me about it. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I was watching Princeton at this time, but, uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, favorite accounts here, Geese Athletics, right? Yep. Uh, we're, we're providing the updates. So, yeah, they were coming in fast and furious, and it was, again, touchdown Zebrashid, touchdown Zebrashid. Oh, there's another one, touchdown Zebrashid. So, <laughs> yeah, this one, you know, um, really, really good. We, we do not talk about these guys enough. They – First of all, so, so Zebrash had five of the six touchdowns for them today. The other one was a Dylan Horry pass to Landon Sauer. That was the third score of the game. It was 21-0 at that point. I think it was 28-0 at half. But 
this is the third straight game, Greg, that the Titan defense has allowed six points. So they exactly six the last three weeks. And the seventh time this year that they've allowed six or less. So as much as we talk about Zeb Rashid and Dylan Horry and that offense, this defense is superior and playing really, really good football this season. Yeah, I mean, what they've done, you know, over the course of this season, especially when you start looking at the second half of the season or that, you know, after about week three, they've really just really turned it on here. And this is really fun to watch. And really, and I mean, I say that, but really, it's a one-point loss to Stark County. I know, I feel like a broken record. We talk about it every week, but that's it. They're one point away. They're a two-point conversion, one yard short of being undefeated in this in this situation. Either way, they're in a really good spot here. They host Morrison Saturday, mm. 1 o'clock at Weathersfield Memorial Stadium. Oh, boy, that will be a doozy. That will be a great one. Yeah. So Morrison gets the win, 34-12 to 12 over Fulton. This was the game that I went to. We talked about yep. it at the top of the show. Man, it was a perfect atmosphere for high school football. Uh, Morrison is a great place to watch a game, but especially on a Saturday afternoon come playoff time. Mitch, I you know I did what we talked about. I went on the visitors' side so I could get the yep. uh, you know the bleacher, the full bleachers in the background of my highlights, and it looked great. I mean it. It was full. It was packed in that place. It looked amazing. Morrison looked pretty good. Regardless of how I shot the video, Morrison looks pretty darn good. Fulton jumped out to a 12-0 lead. It was Morrison coming back, scoring 34 unanswered points. Brady Anderson, 161 yards, three touchdowns on the day. Uh, I will say that my son, who was walking the sidelines with me, very impressed with Brady Anderson's speed. He saw it up close and personal in this one, and it it looked really impressive. Colton Bielema threw a pair of touchdown passes. Overall, this is a great effort. This is a great win for this Morrison Mustangs program in a rivalry game. A rivalry, a rivalry, Mitch, you know oh so well. It, yeah. You know, it's 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 got to feel good to walk away if you're a Morrison Mustang, not only getting a round one win, but a, a rivalry win at that. Yeah. Um, first off, I think I, I mistyped once again on these notes. I think Brady yesterday had 171 yards, so don't want to take away anything from, from his efforts. So, well, don't short him um, 10 yards or whatever. Yeah, what did I – I can't yeah. do that. Yeah, okay. I can't do that. Um, yeah, look, this was, this was a game that we were excited about, right? This was a game that, you know, we, we want to see – well, we're going to start seeing it every year again. Um, I, th- I think Stockpile had said this is the fourth time that they've met in the in playoffs in the history of both schools. So, um, yeah, great, great to have these two teams back on, on the gridiron. Fulton goes up early, and I, I had people texting me, like, what's going on? And I said, <laughs> if you listen to the show, I had said that Fulton is a tough team. They're going to play really well. And I, I don't know how many people listen to me, but in the end, <laughs> uh, their faith was rewarded because Morrison came, comes back. So um, good for them to face that adversity early. This is a young Morrison team, right? This is a team that's going to bring a lot of talent back next season, including Colton Bielema, like you talked about, including Brady Anson, like you talked about. 
Um, so to get this win, the first playoff win under under Nate Vandermeid as head coach against a team like Fulton, really gives them, you know, some positive momentum. Still kind of coming off of that loss so to Rock Ridge, I think that's now fully in, in the rear view. But defensively, I think is where it, what impressed me the most. It, it it looked like, and you were there. You'll you'll be the one to to talk about this. But it looked like Fulton's passing game was really was really working well early on. And then after that long Brady Anderson score that put them on the board and kind of completely turned the game around, they shut Fulton down. Yeah, it was an interesting contrast of, you know, early on Fulton jumps out and Morrison was able to then keep it in check after that, obviously. But there were two big plays in this game that I thought were really critical. So you had in the first half, you had after in the second quarter, Brady Anderson had the touchdown to make it 12-7. But then Morrison's defense stepped up. Carson Strading grabbed an interception. Sauce. Yeah, that's right. He ran it down to get Morrison in, um, you know, in the red zone. It was, it was up, down to the five, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. I was going to say, they, they got down pretty close to the end zone. They, they put punch it in. So that gave him the lead at the half, 14-12, which at the time was such a huge momentum flip because we talked about Fulton jumping out in this game 12-0 and really being in control for the first quarter and a few minutes. You know, they, mm-hmm. they were really in control early in this one. And then it's all of a sudden you get that inter- you get a touchdown, then an interception, then another touchdown, and there it is. Then Morrison's got the lead. Second half. Again, teams kind of exchange possessions. And on a fourth down and short, we've seen this before, Mitch. It was Deshaun McQueen back to punt. As soon as he feels the punt or the snap, the long snap, takes off and runs. Breaks off a tackle down the sideline. Gets about 30, 35 yards on it. That sets up Morrison's touchdown drive to put him up 22 to 12 at that point. I talked to... Nate Vandermeid after the game. And he said that they discussed it during the regular season, but in the moment, he did not get a chance to tell Deshaun to, to do that. They did not call <laughs> that play. Deshaun McQueen called that on his own. That sounds like the, that sounds like the Princeton game where they did. the. Well, you said play. that. Yeah. You talked about I, that. I, yeah. That, that, that one, that one, I, I can't remember if, I think if I'm remembering correctly, Princeton like had a guy come in right in and, and could have potentially blocked it. Okay. And so I don't know if it was called because then as he, he kind of pulled away from that defender, he fumbled the ball, picked it up and then ran. So yeah. again, I don't know if that was called, but either way uh, it, it worked out and a, a fake punt, a fake punt, a fake punt uh, seems to work out in Morrison's favor. So yeah, I, if, if coach didn't call that play and he, he did it on his own, I mean, he clearly, he knows what he's doing. He's done it a couple times this year, but um, certainly a game-changing type of play. Well, I just love the, you know, the trust that Vandermeide has in his athletes, right? Because I, 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 from what I could tell in talking to, to Nate after the game, you know, it, it is something that was not discussed directly during this game, but that they talked over the course of the season. If you see this, if you see players do certain things and they'd punted a handful of times in the first half. So they had kind of seen some tendencies 
And if you see it, trust your athleticism, make the play. And he and did in the split, you know, second decision, he's got to make that decision to make the play. And, you know, it, and it worked out. And it's just, I love that. I, I love that, you know, ability for letting a playmaker make a play. It's exciting football. Well, yeah, that's, that's why they're nine and one, right? They, they can, one, they have the athletes to make those type of plays. And, and two, they have, you know, the, the right coaching, the right intuition to make those judgment calls. And yeah, it, it's what you need in playoff games. So, yep. Um, a great win on a great day there in Morrison for you. Glad that you were there. Glad to get Kyle Kantmeyer there for the first time in Morrison. Um, certainly won't be the last with Morrison joining the NUIC next season. So we'll, we'll get this rivalry back regularly, which we like. Um, but for now, Morrison moves on. Yeah. I mean, again, Morrison, as always this year, looked really impressive. The speed on offense and on defense really impressed me. And especially after they kind of got, you know, punched in the mouth early on, I think they saw what Fulton was doing and maybe they weren't matching that intensity early in the game and players rose to the occasion. They did. They got to that point. They matched the intensity. They come away with the win. Mitch, it was a great day in Morrison and there was some family in the house. I got Mm -hmm. to meet, I got to meet your mother. I got to meet Mitch's mom at the game today. So a huge day all the way around in Morrison. Yeah, Jody was in the house. Uh, Family was there taking in all the sights. They they were questioning whether going or not because, you know, the weather looked like it was going to be cold. But I I tried to push that narrative to go to the game. I'm doing the same thing about going to doing the same thing, trying to get them to go to Anawan. So, uh, yeah, she was she was begging to meet you. We tried to try to get that uh, arranged and had, you know, you credit to you. You came from the other side of the field from from playing catch with Casey to go over to the session stand. So. Yeah, she was she was thrilled about that. Took a selfie, sent it to me right away. So, uh, yeah, good to have you both in the house for a, to see a good win. Awesome, great stuff. One more note here, Mitch. Uh, a little bit of Armstrong family history today as well. My yeah. son, my son hit a field goal on the Morrison field after the game today. You know, you you posted that video a while ago of him kicking. So, how uh, how far were we out tonight? Uh, today, I think we were, it was basically an extra point. He was out at about the 10, maybe a little farther back, but, uh, he had, he was, he, he was quick to note, dad, I don't have my spikes. I don't have my T, you know, all the things, but he still, he, he stepped up and delivered actually, uh, coach lower from Fulton was watching on as he hit the field goals. And I think he he liked what he saw. So, you know, but fun day all the way around. So, uh, all right. So we talked about Morrison. They will go on to meet Anawan Weathersfield. Let's move in to class 2A here. Rockridge gets the win 37-21 over Westville. So this was an 8-9 matchup against two teams that were 8-1. and Rockridge is the Road Warriors. They go on the road and get the win. I know you had your eyes on this one. I listened to the end of it on my way back from Morrison. Tell me about it. Great win for the Rockets. Yeah, statement win. I think was was one of my tweets. Um, we, we talked a lot about this game, right? That we we and again, nothing against Westville um, because they proved that they were one of the better teams in two way um, in, in this game. It just so happens that a lot of the good two a lot of good two way teams are all bunched up in the north. But um, still, for for Rock Ridge to be given a nine seed. 
to have to go on the road, to have to go to Western Indiana, uh, <laughs> essentially, to go play this game with a freshman quarterback. Yep. This was a really great program win for Rock Ridge. Um, we, we have talked up about their, their offense and their defense. This is a game that their defense really shines, forcing six turnovers against the Tigers. Um, and really, this game, it seems like looking back now, it kind of the, the tone of the game was set pretty early. Rockets defense gets a stop. They got to start on the one, and they finish on a 99-yard scoring drive. And yeah. that was kind of what the story of the game was. These these big defensive plays followed followed by their their typical explosive offense. But you know, and we'll talk about this in a second. How the game ended, I, I was impressed with with quarterback Colin Schwagen, right? A freshman quarterback on the road, first postseason start. He he scored through the air. He scored. Uh, on the ground, he had an excellent option to Zarlatanis that went for a touchdown. You know, um, the moment was not too big for him. Westbrook started to come back a little bit in the second half. Um, Rockridge did not score offensively in the second half. But, you know, uh, talking to some Rockridge friends that that really a credit to Westville on the adjustments that they made um, defensively against the Rockets offense. But, uh, again – he kept the team in the game and he allowed that defense to take over. And what I mean by that is this, this is how you win the playoff games, right? Greg, two defensive touchdowns in the final three minutes. Yeah. Um, first one, I, I have not seen a video of this yet. Would love to see this highlight. I can picture it in my mind and it's awesome, but I want to see how it actually looked. Uh, Jude Finch intercepted a Westfield pitch and returned it for a touchdown. Okay. What well, was it like a, was it like a hook and ladder type of situation? I, I don't know if it was like I don't know if it was like an option, or if if he just shot through the line and it was just a toss and he just took it and ran. I don't know. I'm if I had to guess because knowing what Westville's offense was and having that really good dual threat quarterback, I'm guessing it was like an option. Okay, and he was just there in the way of the pitch and just took it and to the end zone. I heard WRMJ talking about that play. So Jim Taylor, well, yeah, we'll Ty Taylor. To, we should, yeah, we should have texted Ty. He would have seen it. We should we should have gotten some more info before we hit record on this. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, guess um, what? We have another episode coming in two days. That's right. We'll get that info. That's right. We'll get that info for um, sure. So, yeah, again, I can picture that in my mind, and it's awesome in my head. Um, also, should mention earlier in this game, shout out to Nick Bull, uh, whose son Landon Bull had a big interception, one of the six turnovers that they caused. Yeah, um, I was texting but, him yeah. earlier tonight. So Excellent. Uh, but following that that Jude Finch touchdown, not one minute later, Alex Zarlatanis seals the game, 65-yard pick six. That finished, or he, sorry, he crossed the end zone with, I think, under two minutes to go. But again, those two plays were within like a minute, minute 15 of one another of game time. So that's how you close out a road game. Those are road warriors. Really, really impressive stuff here from Rock Ridge. Yeah. Uh, Nick Bull, the tag team specialist that he is, would love right. that we called them Road Warriors. You know, shout out to, you know, Hawk and Animal there. Of course, as always. <laughs> uh, and I was going to say, it's always nice when uh, Alex Zarlatanis, your lead running back, gets an interception and then turns into a running back on defense yeah. and basically returns a touchdown. You know, like, 
Well, that's and, a nice asset and, to have. It, it's funny you mentioned that because I mentioned the the option that uh, Colin Schwagen had pitched it to Zarlatanis, and it, I think it was fifty three yards. And yeah, Schwagen got hit, and as soon as you know, right as he was pitching the ball, hit Zarlatanis, you know, in in stride, and, and boom, he was gone. So, um, yeah, just a really really great win for for Rock Ridge. Really some good momentum here. We talked about a lot against their seeding. Because of that, now they face top-seeded Seneca at home next Saturday at 2. But they get them at home, and I think that there's an oppor- there's a huge opportunity here because I, I just think that this Rockridge team is battle-tested. And, I again, I go back. I said it in our you know, playoff preview. I think Seneca's got to prove it to me. And now what Rockridge just did here defensively especially, I mean, all the way around, all, all sides of the game, but um, – yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by this matchup. Yeah, just speaking of Seneca, they they were impressive, right? We we've look look, we've talked about Seneca. We've talked a lot about how they've only played seven games. Still a really good team. They won 45 to nothing here in, in the first round. But it was a rematch of a conference opponent. So, you know. See, come on. See, see what you do here, Greg. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm a I'm a Marquette graduate and, you know, Seneca's always been our rival. So I guess that maybe that's why I'm, you know, maybe that's why I'm dunking on them. But like, at the same time, it's a completely fair point. It's a, it's an absolutely fair point. All right. Yeah. Um, that we might talk about in the 5A game later here, Greg. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, really looking forward to this game. Um, again, the way that Rockridge played tonight, if they can, if they can do that against Seneca, they'll absolutely win. See, if if it would have been Stocking saying what I just said, everyone would have jumped all over Stocking and been like, oh, Stock, you're always so negative. So I get it. I get it. Fair. That's fair. (laughs) All right. In other action, Wilmington, the number five seed, gets the win 41 to 14 over Mercer County. They jumped out. Wilmington jumped out to a 38 to nothing lead before a pair of Colby Cox touchdowns put the Golden Eagles on the board. But too little, too late in this one. I mean, it, it was a tough matchup. We knew it would be a tough matchup. Mercer County ends their season at six and four. Yeah. Um, again, we, we knew that Wilmington was was one of those teams that were teetering on three A and two A. They won state titles in both in the last couple of years. So it's a tough draw for Mercer County. We knew they had to play pretty perfectly. And even if they even if they had today, it was just a, a really tough hurdle to climb. But yeah, Colby Cox had a couple of touchdowns to, to end it, including a 95-yard touchdown pass that went to William Fredrickson. And then he he followed that up with a touchdown run of his own. Both of those were in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, a, a tough loss here to a really good Wilmington team who I think – let me pull up the, the bracket here. They they play Tri-Valley next. Wilmington does. That'll be a good game. The winner yeah. of that would pull the yep. winner of Rockridge and Seneca. So, um, this 2A North, whew, boy, we'll, I think – Maybe Greg, what we'll do after we're done, we'll, we'll go through the brackets kind of and see what happened and yep. who's left. But this two-way north, my goodness, it is it is really really good. Yeah. One more thing I want to add on to this, you know, to this Mercer County season to wrap it up. It's a good first season for Tanner Matlick. Maybe a great not first season. Maybe not the way they, I mean, not the record they wanted necessarily, ending at six and four. But I think we did see consistent improvement throughout the year. And I think I, I've liked I've liked what I've heard from him throughout the season, right? I mean, 
in interviews on WRMJ on Sportsline on Saturday on Saturday mornings. I think he's been open. He's been candid about you know the adjustments they've been making in his first year, and I think they were getting consistently better. They were healthy by the end of the year. They ran into this tough Wilmington team. So they don't come away with the win here, but I think overall it's a good it's a good building block for this Mercer County team. Yeah, I agree with that. Any, anytime you have a first year coach and you go to the playoffs, that's a great year in my book. So. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of fun to watch these guys. A lot of fun to watch Kobe Cox play this year. So looking forward to what Mercer County and that Gold, Golden Eagle team can do here moving forward under Coach Matlick, and uh, we'll, we'll be ready to see them next year. Yep. Well, a few more results from the Lincoln Land big school side of things. Moments gets the win 16-8 to over Knoxville. So Moments was the 7 seed. Knoxville was 10. Blue Bullets got on the board first, but Moments would get one of their own. It was 8-8 for most of the game until Moments would jump ahead in the late part of the third quarter. So that would do it. 16-8 to was the final score. Knoxville season ends at 7-3. and Man, I don't, I don't know what you say about, you know, this Knoxville team was great. You know, they had a great season, but man, the last, was it three weeks in a row? Three, three losses to end the season is it's a tough way to go out. Is that what happened? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember correctly, right? Who they who they lose to? They lost to uh, Farmington, Fulton, Farmington, and then this game here. So, yeah, when you know they started out seven and zero, they looked so good doing it, and then you know, looking at their schedule, of course they had that big win over Mercer County, right? Forty four to nothing. They beat a good Line West team, forty two to twelve. So. You know, I, I don't want to say that they played good against only bad teams because I don't think that's true at all. But they they ran into three good teams. That Fulton game still is just a mystery to me. Um, played played tough against. I mean, think about it here. They they lost three games. Fulton was something, but then they lost their last two games by eight points each. So yeah. they were in those games. Just their offense, just kind of you know those. Weeks two through seven, Knoxville scored 40-plus, and they didn't get over 20 in the last three weeks. So, well, um, you know, it, it just I, – I don't know. I don't, I don't know if those defenses just – and, again, Farmington and Moments and Ann Fulton have really, really great defenses. So, you know, disappointing to say the least about Knoxville. Um, but they, they, played, they played hard. They played tough as, as we – as we know the Blue Bullets teams to do, they'll be back. And um, again, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing them next year. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Fulton game is if you're Knoxville one to forget, but these last two games against Farmington and moments, both teams that are now sitting at nine and one as Farmington got the win today. We'll talk about that in a second, but it's like Farmington moments, both nine and one and Knoxville hung around in those games just came up a little bit short in both of them. So it's a tough way to go out, but they, you know, they weren't, they weren't blown out. They were, they were certainly in these last two games, but either way, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, for as well as the season started, this kind of ends, you know, ends with a thud here, but either way, it's, mm -hmm. you know, you know, end of a season, either way, Knoxville was seven and three to wrap up. Let's move into Farmington, which we just referenced. They get the win 28, 23, over Bismarck Henning, Rossville, Elvin, back and forth in this one. 
Farmers only ran eight plays in the second half, trailing 23-22 before their game-winning drive. But Mitch, I'm going to let you get into this because you were kind of following along with this one. It got crazy. Yeah, back and forth. Um, uh, uh, BHRA takes, yeah, BHRA takes a 23-22 lead. Um, and let me let me say that first, uh, the farmer defense kind of came up with a big turnover. They forced a fumble with about four minutes left. That was when BHRA was trying to run down the clock a little bit, trying to run it out and, and seal the win. They get the turnover. Um, they end that drive uh, with a wheel right to wheel wheel right TD. They go up 28-23. That's when things got a little weird. Um, final final play. Um, I, I don't know what yardage they were at. Maybe the 25, I think. Um, Bismarck Henning Rossville, Alvin throws a pass. There's no time, there's no time left on the clock. Throws a pass into the end zone. It goes into the, the back portion, like near near the goalpost, like in the center. Um, okay. It reaches the hands of a receiver. It looks, if you watch it, and, and Coach Vallis sent us, if, if, you wa- if you're watching the NFHS uh, feed, because, of course, those cameras, like, are never following the action. Yeah. You couldn't see what happened, but I'm, I'm really glad that Coach Vallis sent us a video from the end zone. This pass hits a, a BHRA receiver in the hands. His feet are in bounds. And even from the video, it's a little bit choppy. But the ref is right there. I mean, feet away. Yeah. And he signals right away that he um, did not have possession. And I, I think that's the right call. I'm not saying that it okay. wasn't. Okay. But that's how close it was. It 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 got behind Farmington's defense. I mean, there, there were defenders there, but it clearly yeah. hits this receiver in the hands. His feet are in bounds, but he can't get possession of it. And you just see the dejection on all of their players, like just falling to the ground, trying to plead that he caught it. And just an incredible ending to a playoff game. Um, Coach Vallis wanted to make a point, too, that they were nothing but class about the situation, that they were a really respectful opponent, um, even in a tough loss. So all the credit in the world to BHRA. On, on handling that tough that tough way to lose with class and you, you love to see that come playoff time in in such terrible circumstances but in the end man farmington they, they come away with the win um they're gonna have a tough one here coming up with bloomington central catholic they ended up winning 47 nothing tonight but you know again this is this is the type of win that you you want to have in your kind of in your inventory or in your head going up against a good team like bloomington central um and just a no quit attitude and, and fight till the very last whistle. It worked out for Farmington here and they're moving on. Yeah. I mean, overall this, <clears throat> this Farmington team has impressed us. They've, you know, gotten some big wins, but they've also had some wins where they've had to battle. They've had to fight for it. And so this is certainly one of those wins that they had to fight for it, get the win. So they got to, you know, move on to Bloomington central Catholic, who looks really good. Who's kind of one of the teams we've pegged as a favorite potentially, on this side of the bracket, just based on what we've seen. But, um, you know, I like what Farmington's doing right now. This is, uh, you know, impressive and a great win. And really cool to hear about 
you know, the sportsmanship on both sides that mm-hmm. a call was made. It was close. And, you know, both teams want to get that call. And, you know, certainly Bismarck Henning, you know, wishes it would have gone their way, but it, you know, it's great to hear the, the sportsmanship there. And, uh, you know, that, that's what, that, that, that type of game is what the playoffs are all about. Right. I, I can't wait oh, to yeah. see that. I got to see the ending there. I got to, I want to watch that one, but, um, all right, we getting into class three, a here. We got a few teams to run down in three, a yep. Dupec makes a statement win Ooh. over big Northern opponent, Oregon 34 to nothing. Dupec was the five seed. Oregon was the 12 seed tight game early on. And then the Rivermen outscore the Hawks 27, nothing in the second half. So really great effort here from the Rivermen to kind of set the tone in the second half and get the job done. Yeah. Only seven, nothing at halftime. Um, but they, boy, they came out and really, really put it to Oregon in the second half balance attack, 178 yards passing and two touchdowns, 174 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Um, defense kept Oregon uh, in check all, all afternoon. Uh, four turnovers. They had a pick and three fumble recoveries. So, yeah, this was a really great game for Dupac. Love to see a shutout win like this. Um, they looked great doing it. They had their their all-black uniforms on with the pink lettering and numbers for it's their, uh, their breast cancer awareness uniform. So they looked really great in this one. And, yeah, this again, this was a really, really I, – I don't know that I saw Dupec winning – this big against Oregon. We knew that Oregon was coming in at five and four. We've talked about the big Northern, maybe not being as good as they have been in, in years past. Although I didn't see what the Byron score was, but I think they were up 42, nothing at halftime. Um, <laughs> but it, regardless balance attack, right? Cooper often didn't have to throw for 300 yards. Um, really great game from all the running backs from the Rivermen, and they're moving on and going up against yet another big Northern team next week in a game that I think they're going to have a shot at winning this one too. So great start to the playoff campaign for Dupac. Looking forward to next week. Well, I was going to say, we talked about it in the preview podcast. The Dupac has a chance in this, in this playoff field to really prove themselves against the big Northern. So they passed this test against Oregon. Now they go up against Stillman Valley, Mitch Stillman (laughs) Valley beat Stillman Valley beat Chicago Noble Johnson. Well, go ahead. (laughs) I'm laughing because the Byron score was 72 to nothing. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, I would say Byron passed the test then against Chicago Noble yeah, Hansberry. Barely. Yeah. Yep, just barely. So, Stillman Valley, they beat Chicago Noble Johnson, who is an 8-1 and one team, but out of the Chicago Public League, they beat them 21-20. So, it was a close right. game there. So, right. You know, you read into these final scores as you will, but I think this really, to me, shows that, man, Dupec could be, should be the favorite going into this one. They'd be, they'd be my favorite, I think. Yeah. Um, even if, even if Stillman Valley didn't play a Chicago public school and then still won, I, I, I just, I've just been so impressed with Dupec this year. And, and again, that just, that big Northern just, they, they have not been impressive. They didn't have a good day today. Uh, outside of, outside of Byron, even Dixon, who was really good, I think they won by three on Friday night. So, yep, um, yeah, looking forward to Dupac. If they do get past Stillman Valley, they would potentially play Byron in the quarterfinals. So, um, yeah, but for now, great win for Dupac, great win to beat Oregon, and uh, we'll, we'll 
we'll have to learn a little bit, maybe catch some film on Stillman Valley just to see what they're all about. And we'll have yeah. more on them on Monday night. Yeah, I guess I should clarify that obviously Dupec would be the favorite based on seeding and based on record. But I think just in general, when you start looking at the Northwest upstate Illini, primarily smaller schools, albeit great small schools against the big Northern, which is bit tending to be all three, a four, a schools, you know, it, it, that that's where the, the matchup becomes really interesting, but either way. Yeah. I think that, um, like I said, I think Dupec is the favorite moving into this second round game. It's another chance to prove themselves against the big Northern. And then you're assuming down the road, they have that really good chance against Byron in the quarterfinals. They can get by this one. So that's discussion for down the road. Other results in the class 3A field, Princeton gets the win 44-7 to over Paxton Buxley, Buckley Loda. Tigers controlled both sides of the ball all game. They won the field position battle. That led to some short drives. Casey Etheridge, Ace Christensen each had a pair of touchdowns. Will Lott threw two touchdown passes. Noah Laporte had an interception before the half. This game finished in under two hours. So fast and effective yep. for the Princeton Tigers. Yep. I watched this one um, until halftime. It was 38, nothing and a half. Um, yeah. They, they just, they, they played Princeton football. Um, they were able to just can sustain drives the whole time. Um, when they, when they forced uh, PBL to punt. The punts were either from deep in their own territory or they just weren't good punts. They, they started on their own side of the 50 a handful of times. So, yeah, Princeton made quick work of this game. Um, Noah Laporte, you mentioned his interception. It was like a tipped pass uh, that he dove for and, and caught. And then that was with I think under two minutes in the first half. And then he is the reception uh, or gets the reception from a Will Lot pass, which is just kind of like, it was a beautiful pass, probably 25, 30 yards, maybe 33 yards, I think, now that I'm trying to think about it, somewhere around 30, we'll say. Beautiful pass right into the pylon in the front the front part of the end zone. And, and Laporte kind of positions himself on his defender in the, in the perfect way possible. And of course, he's 6'6", so most defenders don't have a shot anyway. But he gets in the great position, jumps up, High points the ball, lands in the end zone. It was a great play uh, right before half. So, um, yeah, like I said, this was a Princeton game, if I've ever seen one. They roll, uh, and then they're moving on to face uh, Monmouth Roosevelt once again here in uh, the second round. I was going to say, it'll be a rematch of week one, which we talked about earlier in the episode. Monmouth Roseville and Princeton will be Saturday at 5 o'clock. Well, we'll dive in a little more in a second here on some of these brackets, but let's keep going yep. down the way. In Class 4A, Immaculate or IC Catholic gets the win 35-12 to 12 over Geneseo. A.J. Weller, Colton Schmalburton found the end zone for the Leafs, but the defending champs here in the Knights were too much. IC mm -hmm. Catholic quarterback Dennis Mandala threw a pair of touchdowns. Joey Gelata added a pair as well. I saw this one a little bit early in the game and I see Catholic was up, I believe 12, six or 13, six. And mm -hmm. uh, they were driving downfield. Geneseo did get a turnover on down or did get a, a turnover and was able to get the ball back, but just not enough here. This, this, I think I see Catholic program is just impressive. Yeah. It looks like Geneseo 
made some timely stops, but just the offense just couldn't capitalize on them. Um, and yeah, that's, that's going to happen against an icy Catholic team. We rattled off their names and the college commits that they have on that program. So um, tough draw for Geneseo, right? And we talked about it with, with Knoxville. The season for Geneseo did not end the way that they would have liked. Um, what was that? They, they would have lost four or five, right? Um, I, yeah, I mean, they, they, they stumbled down the stretch. I mean, they, they lost right, to Rock Island so, in week nine. So, yeah. Right. So, yeah, they, they finished at six and four, yet another playoff year. But, again, the sour sour taste in the, in the mouth of Maple Leafs, I'm sure. But they were fun to cover. Um, yep. A lot of great players on that team that we enjoyed we enjoyed seeing week after week. So, again, tough draw for them here against IC Catholic. But uh, they, they will be the ones that move on. And in 4A, they might have a shot at, at going all the way. Yep. Well, let's get into a couple more teams from the Western Big Six to cover. Then we'll get into eight-man. In Class 5A, Mitch, it's a game we talked about. Sterling Golden Warriors get into the playoffs at 4-5. and They go up against Chicago Payton on the road, who was undefeated, the number one seed. Yep. And Sterling gets the job done convincingly, leaving no doubt 50 to nothing. The 16-seeded Sterling Golden Warriors... 50 to nothing, Mitch. (laughs) Where do you want to start here? It's well, it's one of those things that like you. It almost doesn't take you by surprise, right? Yeah, I know. We talked about we talked about this. We we talked about how it was it was a good draw for Sterling and that we we thought this would happen. Maybe not 50 to nothing. Okay, certainly not 50 to nothing. Right. Certainly not 50 to nothing. But we didn't think that they would have a problem here. Um, certainly things can happen, but it's just another example of, of a Chicago public school. And we're not taking anything away from, from how those teams do their business. That is geographic, geographically landlocked for the most part, they have to play other teams, you know? So from, from the Chicago public league, it's just another example of, of teams that come out of there with, with a good record. We just talked about it in the last in the last class. I think in was it three A North? I think three A North four Chicago public school teams yeah. lost in the first round. So yep. it's just the nature of of the play that comes out of that area. You, you have the good schools out of Chicago, but none of them are ever out of the Chicago Public League. So yeah, th- this was the very first play, the opening kickoff. I don't even know how this happened. The coverage team for Sterling, because Sterling kicked, like forced Peyton into their own end zone, and they got a safety out of it. I like, saw the, I did see the highlight of that actually. I saw the play. The Chicago Peyton return man dropped back at about his own two or three yard line and went to grab the ball and kind of fumbled or didn't grab a hold of it, and it yeah. went backwards. The bounce took it into the end zone. He tried to scoop it up. And by that time, two or three Sterling defenders jumped all over it and got him before he could get out of the end zone. So it was a weird kind of fluky play, but yeah, that, that does kind of set the tone or kind of tell the story. Oh yeah. It set the tone for sure. They were out, they were out early and uh, Kale Lederberg, Lettergerber had uh, two pick sixes in the second quarter. And he, I think he was Sterling's high running man with 106 yards 
Drew Nettleton was 5 of 7 passing for 67 yards and a pair of scores. The defense did their part. Peyton only had 81 yards of offense. So, again, you you hate to say that you expected this. We did expect Sterling to win. Didn't expect a 50-point win at that. But, hey, a great win for Sterling. And now they've got a chance at a rematch of a team that they played against in, earlier in this year and uh, see if they can do it again. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen it and we've talked about it. You know, the only team that's ever really bucked the trend was that yep. Chicago Phillips program, which mm-hmm. Sterling knows all too well. They played Chicago Phillips in the state semifinals, I believe. And so, you know, they know all too well the, the, the program that was, you know, has risen above all of it in the Chicago Public League was Phillips. And other than that, you haven't seen it. You have not seen success from the public league schools in the IHSA playoffs. And, you know, a part of it, a part of it is probably, you know, just based on, you know, geographic, like where they're located in the city of Chicago, they struggle to have the resources, you know, to, to compete at this high level. And it, it, Mm -hmm. it, it's unfortunate. I don't want to, you know, rag on these and I want to tear these teams down, but yeah, we did kind of see this coming. Unfortunately, you know, you just, yeah, you just wish that there was some way of determining strength of schedule a little bit better, yes. right? Because we do, yep. it, we do it by wins. Yep. And that's fine. And that that that's fine because most of the time it works out great. But Chicago Payton could have been seated 16th. I, I mean, truthfully, right? The result's yeah. the same. Yeah. So I, I I just wish there was something here. And, you know, and we, we talked about it too, and we'll talk about the Nazareth game in a little bit. This game almost didn't happen. Well, you know, certainly because Sterling almost didn't get in, but they almost did. They almost did get in and not play Chicago Payton. So, well, let's just, um, yeah, let's, let's get into that real quick. It's an interesting side note. I was, you know, told, you know, through, you know, talking to some people this week that, Chicago Payton beat Lincoln Park 13 to 12 on Saturday of week nine. So a one point result on Saturday with Payton getting the win. That meant that that set up the Payton versus Sterling game. If Lincoln Park would have won that game. So if Payton would have fallen to eight and one, that would have meant that Sterling would have had to then play the top seed, which would have been. Prairie Ridge, which Prairie Ridge is a dominant program, has been a great program year in and year out. As it turns out, weirdly enough, Sterling gets the win over Chicago Payton. Prairie Ridge has to play um, Nazareth Academy, who is a four and one or a four and five team. And Nazareth gets the upset win. So just the weird way the playoffs work out. Very bizarre. Yeah. And that was... That, that's that's a crazy game. Nazareth's the defending champs, right? Were they last year or a couple of years ago? Yeah, I thought they were last year. Anyway, um, they've got a stud quarterback who I think is he's only a junior. I think he started every year. So last year as a sophomore, um, I'm going to look it up right now because I thought that they had won. They did. They won last year. They beat Peoria 45-44. That's right. Yeah, that was a great year, game. So. Yeah, it was a great championship game. Yeah, you're right. So, okay. Yeah. And against Prairie Ridge, who was a finalist last year and, and lost to East St. Louis. Um, 
So, yeah, you, you say upset. I don't know because record-wise, certainly a 4-5 and five team beats a, an undefeated team, but we just are talking about that in the Sterling game too, and that's not an upset. So, yeah, um, you know, just a crazy, you know, just when we talk about this in the playoff show that a lot of crazy things can happen and how one game is a domino effect for other things to happen. It's like the butterfly effect, you know, yeah. one thing changes yeah. a thousand other things. And this is, this is one of those cases. So yeah, in the end, look good for Sterling. Um, regardless of where they were seated, regardless of who they played, it's a playoff win for them. Yet another playoff win for them. And as I said, they, they get a rematch against Wheaton St. Francis here in round two. Who yep. they played in week two, I think, this year. Yeah, um, well, I believe it was week two. Week two. And then that was a loss. That was a Wheaton St. Francis win. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to pull that up really quick here. Yeah, 42 to 28. So, and that was, if you remember too, Greg, that was when Sterling was kind of at influx of quarterback. They, they hadn't figured out everything just yet. They're a much better team, I think. Um, certainly that Rock Island game aside, they're a much better team than they were in week two. So this should be an interesting matchup, I think. We'll, we'll talk more about it on Monday night. But um, once again, another rematch that we get to see here in the playoffs. Yeah, I still just can't get over the, you know, the way these seedings came down to one point. A yep. one-point win for Chicago Payton puts them up there at that one seed. And Sterling's able to take advantage of it. And now let's see what they can do from here on out. But um. Yeah, we'll we'll talk again, talk more about the brackets in a minute here before we wrap everything up. But in class 7A, one more team, I guess one more team in the 11-man division. We'll get into 8-man right. in a second here as well. 7A, Quincy, the Blue Devils, 44 to 14 over West Chicago. I could not believe this. First time in school history that Quincy has won a home playoff game. So yeah. of all the history that Quincy's making this year, this is huge. This is huge for that community to be able to be at home and celebrate a win. Yep. And, and per our guy, Shuckman, second time in Quincy, Gem City's history, that both Quincy, and we'll talk about this in a second, Quincy Notre Dame have won playoff games on the same day. The other time was 2013. And Quincy Notre Dame was on the road because they were the, I believe, a 16 seed. But either way, yes, but you're right. No, yeah. no what I mean is, is it's yeah, the no. first time in like, Quincy history. Yeah. I know. In Quincy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's what, yeah. Um, So, but yeah, I I had eyes on this one. This was, (laughs) this was a Quincy game too, from the jump. Um, Tycho Hammers had three touchdowns, receiving touchdowns in the first half. He ended up with four. They were up 35, nothing at half. This was, this was a cakewalk for Quincy. So um, good, good to get them again. They had that nice win over Muhammad Seymour week nine, who, uh, Muhammad Seymour lost today. Good yep. win for them um, there. Good win for for Quincy here in, in round one, just to get just to get into the motion of the playoffs. Um, hosting, obviously, that that was great for for them. But that entire team, there's now I, I keep hearing about this. I Shuckman just posted some pictures of it. I, I guess Rico Clay put like a hit of the year on one of the Chicago West Chicago defenders. I guess you could hear it from you know, Missouri. So um, <laughs> we'd we'll love to see video of that. So that Quincy defense flying around the ball as they have all season, the offense scoring points at will great game for them. They, they go up against a really, really good team in Wheat North in, in round two, but they played, they played well enough that um, it should give them a lot of confidence heading into that game. 
Yep. All right. Well, that is our 11-man results and uh, storylines. Let's get into eight-man here, and then we'll okay. bounce back and talk through the brackets. We'll talk through the eight-man okay. bracket kind of as we go, and we'll get back into some bracket talk. The results from the eight-man division here, Ridgewood gets the road win 42-30 to 30 over South Fork. So nice win for the Spartans here. This is a team that we've been really impressed with. The way they've played and kind of the, you know, the games they've almost won, but the games, certainly the games they've won as well, we've, we've been impressed with. This is another one here to move along. Ridge, River Ridge falls to Martinsville. 50 to eight. That Martinsville team looks really good. They look like a team to contend with here. They move in to the, uh, you know, the elite eight in the uh, eight man ranks. Amboy gets the easy win 54 to six over Hiawatha. No surprise really in that one. Milledgeville 56 to eight over Orangeville. Polo gets the win 40 to 16 over West Prairie. So let's get into our quarterfinal matchups. St. Thomas Moore, the number one seed, will go on the road to number nine seeded Ridgewood. You have Martinsville, will go on the road to Pawnee. Polo taking on rival Milledgeville, that will be in Milledgeville. And Flanagan Cornell Woodland will go on the road to Amboy. So not a whole lot of surprising results around, you know, the state here from the eight-man ranks but a lot of really good matchups here in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think so. Uh, highlighted by Polo and Milledgeville, right? I think that that's one game that we, you know, if anyone's going to beat Amboy, I think it comes either in Polo or Milledgeville. Um, and certainly that would be the semifinal matchup, I, I believe. So yep, that, that'll, be, that'll be a great game. Two really good teams that have been fun to watch in, in Milledgeville and Polo. Um, Amboy, you mentioned, I, I think 56 or 54 to six was the halftime score, or it might've even been in the first quarter. I don't know. Amboy was up by a lot early. So, uh, no, no slowing down Amboy so far. I'm interested to see if Ridgeview can, can put up with, with St. Thomas Moore. Um, been really impressed with Ridgewood this year. St. Thomas Moore is really good too, but I, I think especially at home, Ridgewood has a shot there, but yeah, nothing, nothing really surprising in, in the games this week, but. I would say going into, and we'll, we'll talk about it on Monday night at the next show, um, probably the highlight game will be that Polo at Milledgeville game. Yeah, I think that Polo at Milledgeville rematch is huge. That's a game I'll be following for sure when you're talking about teams from our area. But I'm, I'm interested to see what this Ridge, you know, Ridgewood team can do against you know, Peace Boomba in that St. Thomas Moore team. St. Thomas Moore is great. They've had a great season. Obviously, they've earned the number one seed. But when you look back at week nine, they got past Martinsville, but it was a close game. Martinsville hung around till the very end of that game. And I think when you've seen what Ridgewood has done, coming really close to wins against Polo and a close win or a close loss to Amboy as well, they've competed with the big boys. They've competed with the best teams in eight man from our area. So what can they do against this one? you know, at home against St. Thomas Moore. I'm really excited to see that one. And Amboy, you know, they, they look primed to make that run. But I think that, you know, obviously got to get the job done this week. We'll talk about more against their matchup with uh, Flanagan, Cornell, Woodland. But if they get by that one, 
then it sets up a rematch against either Milledgeville or Polo. We'll talk a lot about that down the way, but um, a lot of exciting stuff here in the I8FA playoffs. If you want to know more, if you want to get in depth on the eight man division, I encourage everyone to go out and check out I8FA Spotlight. It's a podcast. I found it on Facebook. There's a eight Illinois eight man uh, Facebook group that I found and they post episodes weekly. Uh, our guy from Polo, Joe Meridian, is in on that. And they do a really good job of deep diving eight man. So we'll be following along for sure. And I encourage people to go out and check that one out as well. Well, Mitch, before we wrap up this episode, are we going to go back through some of the uh, some of the brackets here? And you had some scores that stood out to you. And then maybe we'll just start looking through the brackets. Yeah, and we'll probably we'll get, we'll get into those um, as we kind of go through here. But yeah, Dunlop. Okay. Lost in two overtimes. We talked about the Nazareth win. We'll talk about Quincy Notre Dame, and we'll talk about what Altoff did. But yeah, let's jump into one A here. Yep. Um, no, no big surprises, as I don't, I don't think. You know, the biggest, or actually, I should say, there was only two upsets in terms of seeding. You had the Rova Williamsfield win over uh, Sterling Newman. That was a ten over a seven. And then in the South, you had Calhoun, who's a nine seed over the eight seed Hayworth, which we've been impressed with with Calhoun. That's a team that Kyle is really big on. So. Um, just kind of running down what we got. We got Lita Winslow and Forreston. You've got Anna, Anna one Weathersfield and Morrison, Stark County and Rover Williamsfield, uh, Chicago Hope. They won big over Peru St. Bede. They will play uh, hosts to Aurora Christian. That should be a good game there. That'll be a, right, a rematch, Point. a rematch of the regular yeah. season as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, Camp Point Central, the top seed in the South came away 54 to nothing. They will play that Calhoun team in the second round. Uh, Altoff Catholic, the team that we think will probably get out of the South. Greg, they put up 64 points, 62 points in the first half against Tuscola. Oh. Um, they ended with 76. They gave up 41. Um, yeah, but yeah, a 76 to 41 score. You don't see that too often. So Altoff gets the win there. They will play uh, Leroy, who won 45-14. Uh, Cesar Valley won. They play Salt Fork. And then the final game in the South there is Greenfield Northwestern. We'll go up against Casey Westfield, two, two good programs who both had good wins today. So, yeah, nothing nothing real shocking here uh, in 1A. No, you know, you look around, you know, our side of the state and Lena Winslow and Forreston is a rematch of the regular season. Star County and Rova Williamsfield a rematch. And then just an interesting matchup between Anawan Weathersfield and Morrison which I believe those two teams met up in the postseason a couple of years ago as well. That was a quarterfinal in 17 or 18, but yeah. Okay. Yep. So there you go. So that'll be, yeah, those will be great games. We'll talk about those on the uh, podcast that comes out Tuesday morning, but um, yep. all right, let's get into class two A. Two A. We talked about top seed Seneca. They'll play the nine seed rock Ridge. That game will be at rock Ridge. The game right under them, tri Valley and Wilmington, uh, two teams who are, very used to playing for state championships. That'll be a great, great game in the second round. Speaking of teams that know their way around the state championships, Borough Forsyth, they won big 42-6 to six in their round one game. They'll play Moments, who beat Knoxville. And as mentioned, Farmington and Bloomington Central Catholic will play. That game will be at Bloomington Central Catholic. In the south, Greg, the 16 seed, Quincy Notre Dame at 4-5, and five, comes away with a 21-14 win over Arthur Arthur Lovington at Wood Hammond. Um, a team that we we talked about that could make 
some noise coming into the playoffs if they got in, and they certainly did it here in round one. Yeah, this matchup, Quincy Notre Dame will host Nashville in the second yep. round. That's an intriguing matchup. Obviously, the reasons we like Quincy Notre Dame, they got in at five, four and five, but they played a really tough schedule. And now that they're in this two-way bracket, it's just really interesting to see how they how this plays out. But you're going up against a Nashville team that's had a lot of success, you know, in the postseason. They went to a state championship game at least once or maybe twice in the last few years. So, lost to Newman. Yeah, they lost to Newman. They also, I believe, lost to Wilmington a couple years ago as well. But either way, okay. they've made a couple really good runs to the state title game. So that's, yeah, that's a matchup that stands out to me. Um, Athens got the win. They will go up against uh, Redbud in the second round. Shelbyville is moving on. They'll play Vandalia. Johnston City will go up against Breeze Modern Day. Breeze Modern Day is a team that I kind of had my eye on early on. Mm -hmm. But this will be a tough matchup against Johnston City. Um, on the top half of things, man, how about Bloomington Central Catholic and Farmington? That game, that game's going to be good. Right. Yeah, I, I look at look at all these games again. Yeah. Seneca Rock Ridge, Tri Valley Wilmington, Moreau Forsyth Moments, and Bloomington Central and Farmington. So yeah, the, we we talked about the two way North being just as tough, maybe if not tougher. Hard to say, right? Oh, yeah. than, than the one way North, but um, just just a gauntlet here for whoever comes out of that bracket. Well, look at the records: ten and zero Seneca, nine and one Rock Ridge, ten and zero Tri Valley, nine and one Wilmington. 10 and oh, yeah, Moreau uh, Forsyth, nine and one. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, Kyle had tweeted that out just a little bit ago before we, we started. The final eight in the two way north have a combined record of 76 and four. Yeah. Because then, yeah, Bloomington Central Catholic, 10 and oh, Farmington, nine and one. So that, you know, yep. you go down that whole list. Nobody has more than one loss. Yep. Uh, his point being that you can't eliminate travel ever, no matter how you do it. So just get back to one through 32. Yeah. There we go. Amen. All right, class 3A, it's a lot of big northern teams, but a lot of opportunity yep. here for our local area, I think. Byron is obviously moving along, 72 to nothing. Stillman Valley, like we talked about, going up against Dupec. I, I like that matchup. I, I'm interested mm -hmm. to see how that, how that game plays out. Princeton in a rematch with Monmouth-Roseville. Prairie Central gets the win. They go up against Lombard-Montini. On the southern half, DuCoin and Tolono Unity. You also have Mount Carmel, the Aces, against uh, Sullivan, Oka Valley, Greenville, and Stanford Olympia, Roxana, and St. Joe Ogden. So what stands out to you? What are you looking at here, Mitch? Yeah, nothing. Uh, I don't think anything too crazy. We, we said earlier there was one, two, three, four, four teams in... 3A North that were Chicago public schools, all yeah. of them lost, including the three seed, which was uh, Chicago North Lawndale Charter. That was the Prairie Central win, 48 to six. So again, not to not to beat the horse on that, but you know where I'm going with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. DeCoin only won by a touchdown over Monticello. Um, a lot of close games in in the southern the southern part of the bracket, but just looking at the north where we're where we're going to stay. Really, really looking forward to Dupex Stillman Valley. Really like Princeton and, and Monmouth Roseville. So, you know, I um, think we'll have at least at least one team get to the quarterfinals, 
potentially two. And looking forward to to these matchups, yeah. Yeah. On this uh, southern half of the bracket, I'm looking at maybe potential, if you're looking for potential upsets, Tolono Unity hosting yep. DuCoin. I think DuCoin, so. Yep. DuCoin's undefeated. But, man, Tolono Unity, they're battle-tested in their conference play. They're coming off the big win over Williamsville, 35-21. I'm also looking at Stanford Olympia. Same thing. Battle-tested. Played a really good conference schedule this year. They're um, going on the road to Greenville. But I think there's a chance there as well. Yep. All right. We get into, you know, quickly gloss over 4A through 7 or 8A here. I don't know how much we want to talk. We don't have anybody left in 4A near our yeah, area. Just, near our area. No, yeah, we, Dixon yeah, got the win. Quickly, yeah, quickly just dance right through here for a uh, diet who is the number one seed. They won 28 to 14 um, over Chicago agro science. So again, I don't know. Um, big ones, the big games here, you had uh, St. Vider. They beat Richmond Burton, 14, uh, nothing Wheaton Academy won 68 to nothing. Uh, you'll have a good one in the second round in Boylan Catholic against IC Catholic. Great yep. matchup there. Uh, Dixon, who I mentioned earlier, they only won by three over Plano. That was a good game on Friday. St. Lawrence looked really good. Another Chicago, they went up against another Chicago public school, 64 to nothing there. Um, in the South, Rochester and Cole City will be really good. Cole City won 44 yep. nothing. Rochester is Rochester. And uh, Pure Notre Dame, the team that we talked about now, sitting at six and four, they'll play a Harrisburg team that came away with a 23 to 12 upset win over Carterville. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about most of these teams here in 4A. So, um, but looking again, that Rochester Cold City is going to be a lot of fun and icy Catholic and Boylan Catholic will be a good one. Yeah. We'll jump into 5A as we talked a little bit about, talked a lot about, I guess, Sterling got the win as the 16th seed. They now take on the host, the eight seed, uh, Wheaton St. Francis. That'll be a rematch of a regular season non-conference game. You had Chicago Morgan Park. They got the win over Chicago Corliss. They will take on the five-seed Sycamore. I fully expect that Sycamore wins that game. So you're looking at Sycamore will go up against either Wheaton St. Francis or Sterling. So all teams that Sterling is familiar with playing, and uh, you know certainly Sycamore and Sterling have battled back and forth in years past. That'd be an interesting quarterfinal matchup if Sterling can get the job done. Nazareth Academy got the win as the 15-seed. So you had the 15 and the 16 seed getting wins here in the yep. northern half. Interesting. They will go up against Glenbard North, who's nine and one. Antioch undefeated. They're 10 and 0. They will take on Mundelein Carmel on the southern half of the bracket. This is some games that get really good. Morris, oh, yeah. Morris, 10 and 0. Sacred Heart Griffin, seven and three. That game will be at Sacred Heart in Springfield. That's a great matchup of all-time classic programs yep. in IHSA history. Triad will go on the road to Joliet Catholic. Providence Catholic will go on the road to Country Club Hills, Hillcrest, and Highland and Metamora. So jam-packed there, names of uh, all-time programs in Class 5A. Yep. All right, should we uh, jump ahead? Do we want to do 6A or just get into 7A here with Quincy? Um, 
I'm looking at it now. I, okay. I, I don't see anything happening here. We talked about Dunlop. They uh, they lost to Eisenhower in two OT. Dunlop went for it on a, a two point conversion. It got knocked down. The game was that's how it ended. They went for the win. Um, Kankakee, the top seed in the South, they advanced. Um, you've got East St. Louis down there. They won sixty one to nothing over Lamont. Uh, Cary Grove, they won. They were they were the champs two years ago, right? Sounds right. Yep. Uh, they're moving on. You had uh, he, okay. Here's another example, and I guess I, I think Lake Forest is a public school, but they're not Chicago public. They were the 15 seat. I think they were up 42 to nothing in the first quarter against Chicago Lakeview. Yeah. Um, so they they move on. Uh, the top seed in the North, Lake Zurich, they'll play Caneland, who's a really good program too. So yeah, truth be told, Greg, I don't know anything about 6A, so yeah. we can move on. Well. Getting into 7A in that southern half of the bracket, which is what we're concerned with with Quincy. They're the three yep. seed. They'll take on the 19 seed Wheaton North, who's seven and three. We'll talk about that matchup more on our Tuesday episode, the, pot, the regular beat, podcast. Greg? Who'd they beat? Who's that? Wheaton North. Wheaton North defeated Whitney Young 34 Where are they nothing. From? Where are they, they would, from? I believe they would be a Chicago Public League team. Okay. <laughs> So Wheaton North though, um, Wheaton North went to the title game since we started the show. I don't remember how many okay, years yep. it was, but they, they, they're very good. Very, very good program. So Wheaton North is seven and three this year. They will host Quincy. So it's the 19 yep. seed versus the long three trip. seed in Quincy. Yep. That'll be a long haul for Quincy looking ahead. If the blue devils can get the job done there, then you're looking at the six seed Chicago Mount Carmel nine and one. Obviously, I don't think I need to tell anyone around the state. That's a great program. That's a great football mm-hmm. team there. Number Or they will play Mount Carmel in the second round. We'll play the 11 seed uh, Mount Prospect. So yep. nine, um, that's a nine and one versus eight and two matchup there. So, um, yep. you know, it, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, again, I don't know a whole lot here in seven, eight, but no, uh, I, I was intrigued by Batavia and brother Rice. Yep. And Batavia won 46 to nothing. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and Batavia, a team that I think was in the state finals last year, um, really, really impressive win. They they played Lincoln Way Central, uh, Hananigas, the two seed, they won. Uh, Willowbrook, they won. The top seed in seven A is a normal community. They won forty three to nothing over Argo. Um, and yeah, I again, I don't know much about these teams, so. <laughs> Looking forward, looking forward to Quincy Wheaton North. I, I, I do want to look into the Wheaton North a little more, just to yep. see what the, what they've got, um, and we'll have that again on the on the Tuesday morning show. I think what I'm most excited for now that we've gotten Quincy's gotten this win over West Chicago, it's what I talked about in the podcast last week. What I'm really excited for is now the opportunity for this Quincy team, with all their weapons, with all the success they've had this year, to really put it all to the test against some really good programs, right? Starts this mm-hmm. week with Wheaton North. If they can prove themselves in this one, then you got more programs with even more, maybe higher profile waiting down the way. I just, I love it. I can't wait to see this Quincy team get some of these, you know, challenges. And I, I hope that they are able to get the job done and keep moving on because it's going to be a ton yeah. of fun to talk about. Look, looking at just pre- preliminary, looking at Wheaton North. I think they can get scored on so that's that could really really pay into and they don't score a ton of points 
um, not when they play against really good competition. So, um, yeah, I, I get more excited to look into this game even more because on paper, uh, Quincy looks like the better team. Yep. All right. Anything else, Mitch? I think we've ran it all down. I think this is a... Uh... I don't know. Let's, let's just jump to 8A. Let's just see <laughs> all right. Let's there. do it. Uh, the top seed, Loyal Academy, they won 45-9 to nine over Plainfield North. Uh, let's see if I know anybody else. Ignatius, they were a 24 seed. They beat Joliet West 39-6. Ignatius has got some really good players on that team. Uh, York is the five seed. There's been a lot of interest in that team this year. They win. Uh, Lincoln Way East, 56 to nothing over Taft. They'll play Manuka. That should be a good game. You've got Maine South. They beat Lockport 35 to nothing. Bellevue East beat Aurora East 70 to nothing. So, yeah, again, you get up this high. I don't have any idea. <laughs> Loyal Academy's good. That's all I know. If there if there are people listening to this podcast because they are desperate for 8A information, go somewhere I mean, else. <laughs> I was going to say, there's there's Edgy Tim or there's the Seuss, and they, they got you covered there. They Somebody's yeah, hopefully, talking about it. Yeah, hopefully you got that message when we started talking about 6A and you've not, you're not listening anymore. But, <laughs> yeah, go, go find Edgy Tim. He's got what you need. We're never going to tell you to not listen to the show, but, you know. Maybe, maybe you should reach out to Edgy Tim and, and get some Wheaton North dirt. Maybe we should find out what they're all about. He might uh, know. We, yeah, we should reach out and get some info and, uh, and go from there. But, uh, all right, we will have that info come Tuesday morning when the next podcast is out. So uh, to anyone listening to this, get, get, you know, get into your uh, podcast feed and be ready to download that one. This was the instant reacts to round one. We'll have all of round two previewed coming up on that Tuesday podcast. So it's going to be great, Mitch. We're getting right into the thick of the playoffs here. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's going to start paring down. But as it pairs down, the matchups get that much better. So We've seen some good ones. We're going to see some better ones down the way. I'm excited to get into it. Uh, yeah, this was, it was a great day, right? It was great to see playoff action back. We had, we had great weather and Saturday afternoon football. So it hits you all in the feels, right? You were there in person. You got to see it. So this is our, our favorite time of the year. We got great teams moving on. We got great matchups here to look forward to in week or sorry, in round two. And uh, looking forward to tying a bow on this week and starting to look ahead to our matchups. And we'll have all that here next week. Yes. Thank you to everyone who listens. This was the instant reacts for round one. We'll be getting into round two, diving into the matchups come uh, Tuesday morning. We'll talk soon with uh, the next wave of playoff matchups.